Good morning, church. Welcome. It is a good day to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We are going to praise his name because he is faithful, because he is good, because of what the word says about his goodness, about who he is. We're going to praise his name this morning. So thank you, God. Thank you for the freedom to worship you, Jesus. I'll praise in the valley, I'll praise on the mountain, yeah. I'll praise when I'm sure, praise when I'm doubting, I'll praise when I'm numbered, praise when surrounded.
praise him then uh, the rocks will cry out that's what the word says amen you guys be seated we're so blessed going into this new year uh, 
everybody I've talked to had an awesome Christmas. We're so glad you're here this morning. Um, the offering buckets are here, so you can do your offering anytime during the service. And uh, the green boxes and online is available. Many of you give online. We appreciate that. So this morning we are going to have uh, um, our normal worship time. We'll have a song at the end and we'll have a message in just a moment, but uh, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to remind you that tonight, if you don't have any place else to go, if you've already got plans for uh, New Year's Eve, I've everybody I've talked to, their plan was to sleep in, uh, to stay home and go to bed, and I think that's a good plan, but we're going to be up here uh, ringing in the new year um, just in fellowship playing some games and uh, we'll have a video going we're gonna um, we're gonna show a, a fun video and then a video that it may be inspiring for you I'm gonna mention that later on this morning uh, but avail yourself of that opportunity if you so desire and if you can stay awake that long I'm not guaranteeing that I will all right so ta- take five refill your coffee cup and we'll be back in just a moment. Switch on, mute off. Ready to go? Okay. Well, I hope you'll be in prayer for uh, people. Everybody that has kids is out with kids sick right now. Um, so there, there are some here, but um, there. The cold has gone around, and if you can tell by the sound of my voice, it's gone around our house too. And so that's why I'm not shaking hands with anybody this morning. I'm not going to pass my germs on to you. So, good news is I have notes. I'm not going to be winging it this morning. So today is December 31st, the end of uh, 2023, and tomorrow we go into a new year, and um, I'm reminded of New Year's resolutions. Anybody make any resolutions yet? Why not? Uh, Because it doesn't make any difference. Oh, it's uh, okay. It's all in your head. That's that's my problem. It's all in my head. Um, so I checked out some of the, uh, checked out some of the uh, statistics regarding New Year's resolutions, and now the percentages are weird because some of these overlap, and there, some people have more than one resolution, but, so it all adds up to more than 100%. But it, people that claimed that uh, their New Year's re- resolution was improved fitness there were 48% of the respondents that said that that was uh, their New Year's resolution involved uh, improving their fitness levels. Uh, the second most reported one was at 38% was people uh, wanted improved finances. And so their resolutions involved doing, having goals that, that uh, put them in a better financial health. Um, improved mental health. I, everybody needs that probably. It, it, I know some of you, um, and you need to work on that. Uh, that's 
34% to lose weight, 32% to eat more healthy. So they all involved better health, uh, except for finances, and that financial health was what you're talking about. But, but by and large, all of it involved people's health, mental health. Uh, I, I'd encourage you, spiritual health, that goes along with mental health, and to, and to just treat our bodies better, and that's interesting. Um, but uh, I just want to remind us this morning that new beginnings are opportunities just not to be wasted. A, a new beginning. For since the beginning of time, they have, uh, societies, cultures have looked at a beginning as an opportunity to, to renew uh, certain things where the future is concerned. Opportunities just to start over and to make, to choose, make a different choice in your life uh, to do something different. And sometimes completely, completely different. Um, regardless of whether you want to or not, I want to encourage you this morning to do that to some extent. Um, we, we started a few months ago to look at the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. And so right, Revelation, the book of Revelation, last book in the Bible. I mean, it's the last few pages. Um, last book in the Bible. The end of God's revelation through Scripture of who He is and, and what His plans for us are. And a lot of people have, are kind of nervous to look at the book of Revelation because some of it's kind of weird. We actually studied it um, in 2022. We went through a study of the book of Revelation. And so for, for uh, those of you who are, in, who are involved in that, uh, I apologize to you. This may be a repeat, but it's on, we're focusing on one of the letters. In fact, it's the last letter uh, that was written. I, I want to tell you just a little bit about the letters. They, um, so John was on the Isle of Patmos, and he has a, a vision where he sees into heaven, and um, Jesus is there and tells him to write down what he's going to tell him. And so John, uh, the, and it's the Apostle John, the same one that walked with Jesus during the whole three years of his ministry. It's that John, the one that wrote the Gospel of John, the one that wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, those three letters. And then he wrote um, the book of Revelation, or he wrote it down as Jesus spoke it to him. A combination of works, because some of it he says, write this down. And, and I think that that was basically dictated but some of it is the stuff that he saw in the dream and uh, there's some interesting things as we studied it we we compared it to, to uh, uh, some of the kind of classical ideas about uh, what it means and wars and all those kind of things the days what days mean that's a, a, a thousand years is a day uh, and so when we come to these seven letters, they were written to seven churches. They were written to the seven churches in Asia, which is what we know as Turkey right now. Uh, so it's in the northern part of the Mediterranean, and it's actually a circle of churches. And in the order that they go, it's in clockwise order, starting with the Ephesus, uh, which is about 12 o'clock, and it goes around in a circle. And so this last one was um, to the church at Laodicea. 
before, right before the churches, it says that they're standing in amongst seven lampstands. And so this is, I, I think it's separate stands. It's not one stand with seven lamps on it. But whatever it is, that each lamp or, uh, has a, a light that represents each of these seven churches. And it's kind of like on, um, what's Survivor? Have y'all, anybody ever seen Survivor? What do they do when somebody gets voted off? Yeah, they, they put their light out. Um, that's what the warning is for these churches in Revelation that um, get it together or we're going to put a light out. We're going to put your light out. And so uh, there, there are a couple of the churches that the only thing said about them is good. And then it, the, the message to those churches, stick to it. Keep on doing what you're doing. There's a couple of the churches that there's nothing good said about them. And then the other three churches, there's good stuff and bad stuff. Um, Laodicea is weird because there's not really anything bad about them, but there's nothing good about them either. He doesn't, uh, several, a couple of the churches, he said, man, you're doing a good job. Several of the churches, you're doing a good job, but I have this one thing against you. And, and there's an issue in the church that needs worked on. The weird thing about Revelation is it doesn't, it, there's nothing good and there's nothing bad. It's the only one that's like that. And so uh, this is the message from Je- for, uh, Laodicea. Got to say just one thing about it. Laodicea was a little bit like New York City is in the United States. New York City uh, is... For, it, for us, it's the center of finances and fashion. New York Fashion Week is a big deal. Um, uh, as I look around, I don't think anybody cares about that here. But um, New York Fashion Week, I mean, it's, it's the whole world looks at New York when it comes to fashion. Um, and finance, when the world trade uh, towers were taken, were brought down in 2001, it, it shocked the whole world, not only because of the, the, the event itself and what it meant, but it also, uh, that was a center of financial, it was a financial hub for everything that goes on uh, where money is concerned, banking and all those kind of things. Laodicea was so much like that. It was in this Asian world, which if you picture spokes on a wheel, uh, highways, um, the interstates took off in all directions and went all over the known world at the time, all through Europe, all through Asia, over towards India, all down into Africa. All of civilization at the time um, was impacted by Laodicea. It was a center of banking. Some of the earliest banks that existed existed in Laodicea. It was a center of medical training. There was a... um, there was a medical center, a college, like a university, that operated in Laodicea. They made pharmaceuticals there, and their most famous thing was an ISAV that helped people uh, with their vision. And they were also famous for the clothing that they made there, textiles, wool. Anybody buy anything wool at recently I know Brent wears wool I actually have a wool t-shirt on right now um 
it's not, they're not cheap. Uh, they're, if, you, if you buy good wool and it's, it's good stuff, uh, it, that's the kind of thing that Laodicea, Laodicea made. They made wool goods that were, uh, and wool cloth that was used all over the world, um, and they were famous for that. So with that in mind, I want to start reading uh, from the third chapter of the book of Revelation, starting at verse 14. Uh, the, the letter, the last of the seven letters written to the church at Laodicea. Um, where am I today, right now? They were very prideful about their city. Uh, they, uh, they were confident in their ability to take care of themselves. But this is to the church at Laodicea. There was a church that, one of the weird things about this church, Paul didn't start this one. He started most of the other churches uh, and in his missionary journeys, especially throughout the Gentile world, um, the, the world that was not Jewish, uh, he started most of those churches. But this church was started by Timothy, his son in the ministry. Um, one other thing, uh, they had bad water there. Anybody ever had a place with bad water? Okay, um, my grandparents lived on the coast down at, near Corpus Christi, and if you drank the water on the coast, it tasted like sulfur. Um, I guess oil or something, I, whatever it was, it tasted horrible, and I couldn't stand to drink it as a kid. If it was really, really cold, I could almost drink it, but otherwise, ugh, I mean, it would... you'd almost throw up from drinking this kind of water. That's the way the water at Laodicea was in real life. So they they brought water in by underground aqueducts to the city of Laodicea. That's important, so I had to set all that up. So, um, check this out. Verse 14. He said, right... Let me just read... And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans, and its angel is just messenger. The Greek word angelos means messenger. And a lot of places it's translated as a messenger from God. But this is the messenger from God. That's a human being. That's the pastor. So when it says the angel at the church, it's, I know I'm kind of angelic and it's hard for y'all to not think of me that way. But that's not what it means. It's the messenger, uh, uh, God's messenger at the church in Laodicea. Right? These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That's Jesus. And if you look at all the letters, they, uh, they talk about Jesus in some kind of different way. But here, it, the, the amen, that word means so be it. So it's another word like almost like I am. Jesus is the so be it. And it's, he's the so be it for our prayers and what our needs are. He is the, all, all his promises are what? Yes and amen. Okay. The faithful and true witness, the, the beginning of the creation of God. Jesus was there at, in the beginning of that. So I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. We'll stop right there for just a second. I wish that you were just one or the other. Plain and simple, the word for the church at Laodicea is choose. The funny thing is, even choosing to be cold is better 
to be cold as far as the gospel is concerned, as far as, far as how you view who God is in your life. To be cold on God is better than just being lukewarm on God. That you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot. Uh, I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. He's not talking to, about horrible, bad sinners here. He's talking about the church. Believers that are neither cold nor hot. He said, I'd, it'd be almost better if you were cold. And just, just give up. No, no commitment at all. Why, why is that important? Well, because if you have no commitment at all, there's hope for you. There's hope that you can get committed. But if you're just, nah. On what it means to be a follower of God, if you're just kind of, meh. That's what they call, uh, there, a term came up just a few years ago uh, regarding that. Uh, um, a Christian atheist. They call themselves a Christian, but they act like there is no God. I've mentioned that several times. You will hear me mention that many more times. A Christian atheist. He says, just choose. So, let's come back to the water here. They were very proud of everything that they did. That was part of their problem, I believe, as a church, was that the, their pride. Their pride that they, they didn't really, this is what I think, they didn't really need God in a huge way because they had everything covered. They had all their finances covered. They had their health covered. They have, what am I going to wear? They had all that covered too. They were um, the center of those kind of things. And they, even though they had a little bit of issue with their water there, they've covered that too. Um, there was a church, there was, I mean, there was a city near Laodicea called Hierapolis. It was an old Greek city, and they had hot springs there, kind of like Arkansas, that, that place. That's why they call it Hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, the city of Hot Springs has hot springs. Why are hot springs good? Bathe in, uh, nice hot, hot baths. They uh, usually have minerals that are good for your health and they can cure stuff like arthritis. We had one of those, um, well, they had those all over Texas and in the 1900, early 1900s. People came from all over the world. We had it here in uh, Oklahoma, Medicine, Oklahoma, down by Lawton. They had uh, spas there and people came from all over the United States to get in those waters because they, they felt like they, were, they did you some good. So uh, over there at Hierapolis, just a few miles, six miles away, that wasn't too bad. The water there, they had hot springs. It was good. Um... A little bit the other way, Colossa, which was this, uh, where the Colossian church was. At Colossa, they had mountain springs, kind of like in Colorado. And have you ever had spring water from Colorado that comes, comes out of the mountains? And if, sometimes it comes out right out of the ground. We have a nephew that lives in Colorado Springs, and he goes up in the mountains and fills like 10 gallons, uh, no, several water bottles. So it's like 50 gallons of 
water and he brings it home and it's just out, there's a pipe in the side of the mountain and it comes out uh, and it's uh, cold, cold spring water. So Laodicea was blessed with that kind of water. Um, Colossae was blessed with that water. Laodicea took kind of secondhand blessings. Some of it came from Hierapolis and some of it came from, from Colossae. And, but by the time it got to Laodicea, coming through those old pipes that were in the ground, it was not cold any longer, neither was it hot. It wasn't hot anymore, it wasn't cold anymore. The cold water had gotten warm, and the warm water had gotten cool, so it just bleh water. How many of you like to drink cold water? Cold water. I've got some right here. I've got our nice, awesome sonic eyes. And some filter water. Now that is good water, my friend. Good water right there. Laodicea, even the water that they piped in, by the time it got there, wasn't even good water anymore. And he said, that's the kind of, wa- that's the kind of people that you are. You're a church like that. You're water that maybe it was good water at one time, but it's not even good water anymore. Even your best water is bleh. And I just want to spew it out of my mouth. And the word spew right there, it's not like, like your tea. Like when you hear a joke and you've got a big old glass, big old drink of tea and you spit. It's not like that. It's vomit. That's the word right there. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to call your name out. That's what that word means. Jesus says, since you're neither one, no commitment. I just want to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17. Because you say I am rich. They said that. We're doing pretty good. Because you say I'm rich. Have become wealthy and have need of nothing. How many parents, how many of you have ever heard your kids saying, I don't need you? Do you need me to help you with that? I don't need you. You're not my mom. You're not, whatever. You have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What does he address in that little statement of who you, this is who you are, this is how I see you. Jesus says that you're miserable, that wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The, the very things that they felt like they were, were acing it in. They're, they're, sure, they'll give Jesus the water thing. Yeah, okay. I know we don't have the best water. I get that. But miserable, poor, blind, and naked? We're the center of the banking world, just like New York City. We're the center of the clothing world. What are you talking about? We're the center of the medical world. And of all the things that we are, we're famous for that ISAV that cures everything in the world. But he said, you're poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to, one, buy from me gold refined in the fire. 
that you may be rich. And white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be, be revealed, and anointing your eyes with eye salve that you may see. He addresses the very things that they felt like their sufficiency was coming from. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? So out of these seven churches, depending on how you process the book of Revelation, some people see it as being ages of the church in general. From, from the very beginning, the, from the cross onward, through Emperor Constantine who made, through the, all the Emperor Nero and the, uh, the persecutions that they had, through Emperor Constantine who made Christianity the official language of the Roman world, um, all the way through that, through the Dark Ages, uh, they, they identify these churches with those different things. I think that, that, that that's uh, applicable in some ways, but I also think that there are qualities of each of these seven churches that we see in churches today, and that, that the message for us is to see... See where you are as a Christian and look at each of those letters. Does it speak to anything in you? And I think the church at Laodicea speaks to, and this is looking at, at it from a historical perspective, as well as from a church-by-church church perspective, that in these last days, and regardless of how you consider the last days, we are closer to Jesus' return than, than we were yesterday, 10 years, 100 years ago, of course. But this applies to the church a lot today. Because 50 years ago, the church was the center of a community. Um, I mean, go back and look at, uh, at old communities where they don't have a store there anymore. They don't have a school there anymore. They don't even have a gas station. They don't have the, anything. What does everyone still have? There's a little church there. Out in the middle of nowhere, a little community that used to exist that was thriving at least has a little bit of a church there. Um, that is, that's because the church was a center of a community for... Hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, going back in um, 1300, 1400, if a church had anything, I mean, if a town had anything, every little town had a church. Um, Back in the days of the Old West, one of the first things that got built was a church that doubled as a schoolhouse um, where my mom uh, grew up uh, the church was a schoolhouse. Um, so things have changed, though. Things have changed, and the church isn't the center of the community anymore. If our kids are going to grow up in a, in a culture that still has some reverence for God, the church is going to have to reclaim a place in a community where it, where it matters, where it is relevant, and how we do our lives, how we 
practice our spiritual lives day in and day out is going to impact whether there's churches in our communities anymore, whether our kids maintain those churches in a community. So if your kids look at what you're hot for, what what are they going to see? Because Jesus said, I need you to be cold or hot. I would, I'd rather that you'd even be cold. But the preference, of course, is to be hot. Hot for God, hot for the church. What do your kids see from how you spend your time and money and all those kind of things? What do your kids see is what you're hot for? Um, there's a saying that's written um, on a lot of things in Austin, Texas. Um, Growing up, my dad wouldn't even drive through Austin, Texas. We'd go around it to get someplace um, because, uh, because of the same reason that y'all might not. Um, in Austin, Texas, there's a, there's a saying called, and it says, keep Austin weird. Keep Austin weird. Um, there's a few other places in the country that would claim that to be... Um, a relevant motto for them, San Francisco, places that are kind of quirky. Um, Colorado and Colorado Springs, just just above going up into the mountains, there's Manitou Springs. That's their deal too. Keep Manitou Springs weird. Um, I would encourage us as a church to keep keep Chandler Victory Life Church weird. And by that I mean that's a that's what holiness is holiness is being separated from the rest of the world holiness is and and it's synonymous when you look at it in scripture it's being set apart just different in that way different from the rest of the world how do your kids see you that's why that's what being hot for god looks like it looks like being different from the rest of the world because the world is going to be impacted not so much by the words that we say, not um, words don't, are getting to the place where they don't mean much anymore because they're redefined every single day. Um, so let's finish. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. That's what love looks like sometimes, is helping somebody to do better than they're already doing. Re- rebuking and chastening, it's not, this isn't about beating or any, neither one of those words mean that. It just means correction. It means fixing wrong ideas and understandings. So when God rebukes and corrects us, he's not being hateful to us. He. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Now we've had that. There's pictures that people, you may have one of those in the wall of your home of Jesus knocking on the door. That famous picture, there's no knob on the outside of the door. They've commented on that many times. But, um, and, and the idea is that Jesus just waits. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to take over your life and make stuff happen. He's, he's waiting for you to just say yes. I stand at the door 
And if, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He's saying, you can get back to the way it was in the garden when Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. You can have that kind of relationship with me, just a normal relationship. Um, and to him overcomes, and every one of the, the letters ends similar to this, uh, but... To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. That's the completion of all things. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I pray that we do that right now. I, I, I believe that at this time in, the, in America um, that we are at a place where the church is uh, um, a little bit like in the dark ages. The church had, pers- had um, preserved a culture and a society, a civil society, they had preserved books and learning and in, it's written in several um, scholarly works that the church is what saved the Middle Ages because everything was destroyed all over the world. I believe that we're going to be in a position to be able to do that for our own society. I mean, like even right here in Chandler, to bring things back to a center. Because, of, uh, because we've preserved and God's preserved in us a nugget of goodness and rightness and that if we're loving about it, that we can bring the world back to center. Not, not crazy this way and not crazy that way. Bring it back to a center and to the place where we can say, we can sit on the throne uh, with completeness that, that's, that's the symbol of Jesus sitting on, on the throne at the right hand of God. It, sitting, job done. Um, we need to be position ourselves. And we do that by what we, what we dedicate our time and our, and our treasures to. We do that. Uh, we preserve that nugget of goodness. Um, preserve salvation for eternity as well as in this, the time and the age that we're living in right now. Because that's what the abundant life is. Let me pray for us as the worship team comes. And we're going to have one last song. And I, I, I just want you to pray for what what your New Year's resolution needs to be. The thing that you need to do to be able to put God back in the place that, um, that is powerful and, uh, and effective in the world that we live today so that we can fulfill what our perfect purpose is. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, just we thank you for your word. We claim the blessings that revel, the book of Revelation guarantees to us that we'll be blessed just for having read it. 
and proclaimed it. I claim that blessing this morning for us as we go into this new year and as we examine what, what, what we need to do in the new year to make our lives more impactful, more effective. And Father, that you'll bless each of us, bless our families to accomplish great things in the coming year. I pray over these young people as they head back to school and some of them graduating and going on to new things. I pray for them to be blessed in everything that they put their hand to. That you'll protect us and care for us through this winter time and all that goes with that. Pray for families who are out with sick kids right now that they'll be prepared to go back to school and and to be back in in places of fellowship and serving here at Victory Life. So bless this time that we have now as we prepare our hearts for a whole new year. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us? Just as we worship on who God is and His goodness. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good, God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God I love you, Lord Oh, your mercy never fails me and all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God and all my
you for being here this morning and supporting each other. Um, let me anybody have anything they want to say? Share? Jeff's usually in the background, um, but uh, he's shy, but yeah, I think he might have something to say. You know, about being lukewarm, or as I call it, room temperature. You know, we as Christians, we shouldn't be able to walk into a room and remain the same temperature. That doesn't mean riling everybody up so they're angry, but it means, you know, some people do that too, but but it means that people see something there. See some see that, that we're different when we go in. And and if you're looking for a New Year's, you know, resolution, this there's a lot of different ways, you know, to draw closer to God through Jesus Christ. And he stands at that door and knock and he says, Open up and I'll come and, and sup with you. And I heard this great minister, you know, years past, 
before I was even you know, born, I uh, don't know, remember his, his name. But somebody asked him, which is more important for me to read the Bible or for me to pray? And the minister turned around to him and says, I don't know, let me ask you this. Which is more important for you to inhale or exhale? <laughs> now, for us to live, we need both. But I know I came to Christ because not only the grace, of, the grace of God called me, but I started reading the Bible. And as I read his word, I started getting closer and closer until I saw my need for a Savior, and then I received him. I was breathing in. I opened the door, didn't know who I was opening the door to. <laughs> but he came in, and I began to eat from his word. But the Bible is a hard thing to eat. Why do people, people call it the good book? So why is it so difficult to continue to eat from that book? Because both in the Old Testament and New Testament, angels gave prophets, says these are scrolls, eat them. When they ate it, it says it's going to be sweet in your mouth, but sour in your stomach. Why is that? Because it's easy to read, but but it becomes more difficult to do. Don't be hearers only, but be doers. That is the number one reason why we don't continually read the Bible is because we don't want to see ourselves not doing anymore. It's sour to us and it's sour to the Lord and we become sour to him and he spews us out. So if you're looking for that one resolution to draw closer to God through Jesus Christ is open that door every day to his word and let his word minister to you and then say, I'm not going to be just a hearer only, but I'm going to be a doer, lest I'm deceived. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you, Heavenly Father, Lord. We thank you for this, this past year, Lord, this, you know, and we're, Lord, we're looking forward for 2024 because you know, Lord, where evil abounds, your grace much more abounds, Lord. We are well able in you, Lord. We're well able to walk in the light that you have given us, Father. And Lord Jesus, we unlock that door, Lord, and forgive us for putting locks in the door. Forgive us for being a delaying and locking you outside, Lord. But we want you to walk with us. We want to walk with you, Lord, that we may live in the light and be a light in this nation, Lord. So as we leave this place, Lord, that we may remember what has been spoken today, Lord, that your word may be sweet in our mouth, Lord, but we may do it so it becomes sweet in our life as well. We thank you, Lord. I bless the people in Jesus' name. Amen.